Welcome everyone to the Money Mentors Podcast. My name's Glenn Fairburn and Nathan Lear and myself host this program. We're both directors and advisors at Hewlson Private Wealth, one of Australia's leading independent and financial planning wealth management firms. Um, the objective of our podcast as always is to increase financial awareness and financial literacy um, and that's really the motivation behind this week's podcast where we have a chat about trusts, in particular family or discretionary family trusts. Um, we sort of work through the pros and cons and, and opportunities um, and things to talk about to other professionals. Um, as always, this discussion is just of a general nature, so you really do need to speak um, to a professional to get specific advice relating to your situation. Um, we hope you enjoy the podcast. Welcome everybody to this week's episode. So today, Glenn and I want to have a chat about family trusts. So um, many of our clients will either have a family trust or or perhaps look to consider setting up a family trust. And, and a family trust can offer um, several advantages, which we'll, we'll, we'll go through a little bit later in the podcast. So before we go through some of those things, we just thought we'd spend a few minutes just to explain what a family trust actually is and what it does. So firstly... A family trust is a, a discretion falls under the the banner of a discretionary trust, um, and and it's primarily set up to hold assets for a family group. Um, now the benefits, without going into the, the the full details of the benefits at the moment, the, the main two benefits is tax efficiency, and and um and estate planning or asset protection benefits, which will as I said we'll go through in a little bit. So Glenn, that was just a quick introduction on trusts and maybe we'll just spend a couple of minutes talking about the, the key players in, in trust. So firstly, when you set one up and then, so maybe I'll, I'll kick it off. Um, so when you, firstly, when you set up a trust, you need somebody called a, a settler who, who, who basically executes the trust or so basically gets it up and running. And that would normally be like a solicitor or an accountant. Yep. Quite common. And you know, you see the old ten dollar notes, because um, yeah. cause a photocopy of the ten dollar notes, because you do need a uh, what's the word seed the trust with a, a sum of money. So, um, but probably the the second player that I just wanted to mention, which is arguably or probably without question one of the most important roles, is that of the appointor. Did you want to maybe go through why the appointor is so significant? Yeah. So the appointor effectively controls the trust in that they can remove or appoint a trustee so the trustee ultimately um, has control over the trust um, so they, they can dictate what the purpose of the trust is but the appointor essentially can appoint or remove the trustee so that that's where i suppose a lot of the the power lies um, so, uh, so I suppose that's where a lot of people might get confused with the ultimate control of the trust in that they perhaps think that the trustee has ultimate control but quite often it's the appointor that, that has that power mm. Yeah, so so look, and you just went into the, the the next probably major player, which is the trustee, which, as you mentioned, is is ultimately in control of the operation of the trust. Yeah. But they can somebody can or the appointor, um, if that's somebody different, which usually it's the same same person, but yeah. if it's somebody different, they could come over the top. So let's say Glenn, I I was the um, appointor of your family trust for whatever reason, and you look after the operations of the family trust, I could make the decision to remove you. And bring myself in as the trustee to control the trust. Correct. So that's why it's just an important thing that people do need to be aware of. 
the importance of, of that appointor. So we kind of touched on the trustee um, and, and there's different ways you can be trustee of a, a family trust. Yeah, so I mean, lot like a superannuation fund, I suppose, which, which is a trust in itself. I mean, a trust, yep. just expanding on what you were saying earlier, is a separate legal entity or, or, a, or a tax structure. Um, and, and the trustee can be an individual or it can be a company. Um, and, and there's different ben- there's different advantages and disadvantages of having those those different structures. Um, and I support I suppose just to keep things relatively simple, the third layer of all of that is the beneficiaries who are entitled or can receive distributions from the trust. So they're I suppose the main parties of a trust that people might be familiar with that, that play an important role in the operation of a trust. So so maybe I mean we kind of went quickly over a few of those things, but maybe just for our listeners to explain why would you go an individual trustee over a corporate trustee and what are the pros and cons maybe of of that well will the will the will the i guess the benefit of a, a corporate trustee is probably the efficiency uh the administration efficiency if you want to yeah. change a director um so so with a just to explain um husband and wife set up a family trust they can be individual trustees of that family trust in their individual capacity alternatively they can set up a company um, which is, is its role is simply just to be the the corporate trustee of that family trust, and then they're they're the, they're the directors of that of that company. So effectively, they're still in control in their in their role as directors. Um, but let's I say suppose there's, there's, that would ultimately provide some sort of benefit with multiple generations. I assume correct because it's a lot easier to um, add and directors. remove directors yeah. rather than trustees. Just the the, the yeah. paperwork and the and whatnot and you know people die husband and wife one of them yeah. dies it's it's a bit easier to bring in a uh, if you wanted to that is yeah. bring in a, another director so yeah there's there's probably there's pros and cons the con is the 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 cost of a corporate trustee there's a, a setup fee and there's an annual uh, ASIC fee you need to pay each year so there's a couple of things to consider there um, and yeah just on the beneficiaries I was just going to mention um, one thing we haven't mentioned is the trust deed so um, the family trust is set out by the the rules of the trustee, so just um, you know be, be aware of that. And and you know there's many legal legal firms these days which you can just you know order a trustee or more of. And a, the trustee is effectively the rules and regulations that the trust has to abide by, isn't it? That's effectively what the trust deed is. Yep. Yep. Yeah. And then just with the beneficiary, so the the, the trustee will have um, I forgot the exact terminology. I think it's just standard standard beneficiary so pretty broad it can be you know you can have to be specific but normally trusts have you know a fairly broad range of beneficiaries or who can be a beneficiary so it might yep. be children grandchildren nieces and their family peers, members parents, yeah. family members so it can it doesn't have to be specific it can be fairly broad but yeah and the, the the point i was just about to make is you can nominate a specific beneficiary if you wanted to let's say it's a a friend or a a company or you know, somebody that might not fit in within those those uh, generic beneficiaries, yeah. you can add a specific one. So, yeah. So I thought it was just good to 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 introduce the topic, just to go through kind of what a family trust does and the main kind of the main players, I suppose, in setting up a family trust. Um, maybe maybe a, a good place to go now, Glenn, would be to talk about the benefits. So why would somebody look to set up a family trust? Yeah, I suppose he, historically trusts have been set up um, to play a part in, some, in that they provide some form of asset protection. Um, so, for example, medical specialists, anyone in sort of professional services or in business who may want, want to protect their personal assets. So, 
obviously any assets that they may hold personally um, could be at risk in the event of litigation. So in the past, trusts have provided some asset protection. I mean, it's sort of beyond our scope as to the level of protection, but if we're looking at some of the benefits that or reasons why accountants or solicitors may recommend a trust, I would say that asset protection is probably right up there as to one of the major benefits. Um, was there anything that you wanted to add to that as far as asset protection? Uh, no, I think that's that's fair. Yeah, that's and, and I suppose the other advantage or the other reason that you may use a trust as an investment structure is, is that it does provide flexibility to um, distribute income across m- numerous beneficiaries. So as an example, if you personally want to buy um, a portfolio of investments and they're held in your own name, um, then you'll be taxed fully on that income in your own name. Whereas through a trust, if the assets are owned by the trust, the reason it's referred to as a discretionary trust in that is, is that the trustees have discretion as to who receive the distributions and how much. So if you have a family group, um, you know, it might be parents, three kids, you know, of adult age. Um, there's an opportunity there where you can distribute, you know, eighteen thousand dollars across each of those five beneficiaries, um, which could provide some tax efficiency. So, historically, they have been used as a way to split income and, and perhaps provide some way to minimise tax. Sure, and it can provide significant tax savings, can't it, under its current current operations if and just think of the um and also as a bit of a planning tool so so think of it think of it like this just a quick example can help um kind of un- understand how it works so let's say um husband wife whoever it is let's say an individual has a has a good paying job and then they've accumulated some savings so they decide okay well i'm going to invest those savings in, in in my individual name so they might be on the top marginal rate so yeah. they're taxed at you know 45 percent plus Medicare. So any investment income on top of that that they generate is taxed at 45%. Now they might be an individual, so they've got nobody or or just single, so they've got nobody to stream other income to. But if they were maybe proactive, had their eye on the future, they could set up a family trust, invest those those assets in the name of a family trust as a future planning tool. And then if they have a spouse down the track or have children down the track, they could then choose to stream that income to other parties, yeah, which can provide, yeah, as I said, if you maybe tax top marginal rate, forty five percent, and then you can you, know, if you have a spouse maybe doesn't work or has has children, so a bit of time at home, you can give them eighteen thousand dollars of income tax free yeah. under the current set of rules. We'll talk yeah. about um, some proposed changes in a moment. So, yeah, definitely can offer offer significant advantages. Um, maybe one thing just to touch on is minors. Um, so minors. Uh, anybody under the age of 18 um, can only uh, only the first $416 is is tax-free so they don't get the $18,000 tax-free threshold but then anything over that is effectively taxed at the top marginal rate so you can't you know if you have children you can't just stream $18,000 or whatever amount to them there'll be penalty tax so yeah that's another another consideration and 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 just looking at I mean people listening to this might think oh well this all sounds great um but i suppose just if you don't mind jumping into some of the considerations or or disadvantages or or reasons why you may not want to consider a trust quite often it can involve cost can't it because it is a separate Mm. legal entity it it does have to get 
its own individual tax return done, which which it, which can be quite expensive. Yep. Um, so in order to make it effective, this is where trusts aren't appropriate for everybody, um, and you really need to assess what tax benefit you may obtain versus the cost, because in you know in an example where you've got um, a couple. It may be, and, and one of one of the individuals is working and earning salary, and the other one's not. Um, if if the potential future is that that second person may not work for an extended period of time, then they may obtain as much of a tax benefit investing in their own name than what they would do having all the distributions via trust paid to them. Mm. So you you've really just got to. This is where advice is really important. Like speak to your accountant um, because. You know, you may think that as the, you may think that it's a beneficial path to go down, but the cost in doing that may may outweigh any benefit. So it's it's really it really is horses for courses. It it does sound very attractive on the face of it, but there are some implications that you need to be aware of. De- definitely, and look, another thing, Glenn, that just popped in my head when you're mentioning the uh, the considerations is um, the losses. Like, there's an issue with losses in trust. So if you have a a loss. You can't, you can't distribute losses are effectively trapped in the trust, aren't yeah, they? Yeah, they carried forward into future years, but you can't distribute. You them can't out. distribute them out. So, so you wouldn't um, negatively gear in a trust, or normally, I'm I'm sort of using generic knowledge here, but yeah, it yeah. may not be as tax effective to negatively gear in a trust. Yes, and then further to that is is um is franking credits as well. So, yeah. if there's no, if you can't make use of the franking credit, so within a trust, let's say you own. Um, a, a company share or something that has a fully frank dividend but if you have losses you can't make use of the the benefit yeah. of those of those franking yeah. credits and they can't carry forward so y- you can potentially lose the benefit of the franking right. credit so there can be you know like we said there um, like you said Glenn you know speak to your accountant because there can be some intricacies that you need to understand for your specific situation yeah as we're saying they're not suitable for everyone some people use trusts as a as a business structure as well so we've We've sort of spoken about the use of a trust as an investment structure, like investing money within superannuation. You can obviously invest money via a trust, um, but there are also individuals who use who use trusts as a business structure. Once again, it's really important that you speak to your account around whether that is the best structure for you to to use. Sure. Um, so the, the the benefits we we spoke about the the, the tax benefit and. And the asset protection benefits. I think the the other one is is estate planning benefits. So, just to explain that. So, you can bring in other, you know, maybe for intergenerational transfer of wealth. So you can perhaps buy an, an asset in, in in a family trust, and then if it's owned by the family trust upon your death, you can bring in, for example, children as other trustees or beneficiaries of the trust. However, you want to set it up. So on death, it doesn't have to necessarily be sold and trigger capital gains. So that's probably another another benefit of a family trust. And probably just not the opposite of a benefit, but when you're looking at your estate planning, a lot of people you know who have used trusts or invested via trusts um, in the past consider that the assets are in, in the trust are theirs um, and, and don't give consideration to the fact that any asset held in the trust isn't actually owned by them, it's owned by the trust. And may not necessarily form part of their estate. So if you've got assets yep. in a trust, you need to be aware of the fact that they may not pass to the beneficiaries as per your estate plan or your will. So it is important to get holistic advice here and really speak to your accountant, speak to your advisor, speak to your solicitor 
and make sure that when you're putting together your will or your estate plan, that the specific assets um, that you want to perhaps distribute to specific beneficiaries are in the right entities because as just, just to repeat, assets held in a trust don't automatically form part of your estate. That, that's right. So, so your estate plan needs to effectively pass control if you're a trustee of, right. if you're in control of the the trust, say the trustee or, um, or the appointor, you, you need to pass that control on to somebody else via your estate plan. Uh, but yeah, that that's why trusts can be beneficial from an estate planning point of view because you don't have to necessarily sell an asset on, on death. Um, probably import, an important thing to to just take note of, they do have an eighty year shelf life, so that that's deliberately that's put in place deliberately for a reason. So. Um, eventually, um, the asset will have to be you know, sold effectively or moved out of that trust, yeah. um, which just triggered an, another thing, Glenn. I mean, if, if somebody is looking to set up a family trust, they may have existing assets that they want to transfer into the trust, mm-hmm. which can be done, but just be aware that that is a, a change of ownership and would result in a taxable or a capital gains tax event. So, you know, if you have a property or shares and you want to and you, if you want to move them into the into the trust, you can definitely do that, but just be aware of the the, the, the transaction implications. So capital gains tax, or if it's a property stamp duty, uh, th- things like that. And I suppose you know jumping into what what are the risks of putting assets into a trust or using a trust, like superannuation that we've spoken about many times. It's legis- legislative risk, isn't it? I mean, every few years there always seems to be a discussion around. I. Is it are trusts just structures used by the ultra wealthy to to shield their tax or to shield their income and, and not pay any tax? That that's sort of been one of the criticisms. Um, so it, it is something that sort of does pop up from time to time, isn't it? Where it can be open to criticism, um, and I know we've spoken about some proposed changes, but there, there is a proposal at the moment. Um, that potentially distributions from trusts um, will just be taxed at a flat rate of 30%. Um, so you, I suppose you always need to go eyes open into these things, don't you, and not assume that the rules and regulations that are in play right now will, will be the same going forward um, because that, that would result in implications for a lot of people if that, if that was the case, wouldn't it? Yeah, look, I think if, if if that proposed change comes in, it is definitely going to make a family trust a lot more, a lot less um, advantageous, and I dare say would would see um, probably a lot a lot of people stop using them. Yeah, because that the, the, if it's just a minimum or you know minimum or flat rate of tax of um thirty percent. Do you reckon that that targets the wealthy though? Because I mean, arguably, the ultra wealthy are on a tax rate of above 47 percent anyway so are they are they disadvantaged by this proposal or is it more so you know the the situation where you've got a single or a family with a single income earner some investments or, or maybe a business entity are they the are they the individuals or, or or targets for something like this because you know quite often these these proposals whether it's franking credits or or trust changes they're sort of sold as oh we're targeting the ultra wealthy here who are, who are minimizing tax but if it's taxed at 30 percent a lot of those ultra wealthy are already paying mm. top of the tax at the top marginal rate anyway and the other side without getting too complex is that there's also the option where you can make distributions or, or a beneficiary of a trust can be a company as well so if distributions are paid into yeah. a company 
given that the company tax rate is 27.5, you just wonder what the implications might be there um, in order to try and get around these rules. Um, yeah, I mean, it'll be an interesting sort of situation that, that may or may not play out. Yeah, it reminds me a bit of the, we've spoken a fair bit about the, the, the franking credit proposed changes there where, where arguably the, the, the ultra or the wealthy ultra wealthy will be able to still make use of the franking credits. As yeah, a, because their tax rates on average probably higher than 30% anyway. As an offset, yeah. But um, it's the people that are yeah, taxed below 30% yeah, that, that are going to be impacted. This is, and you're spot on, Glenn. This is, this is very similar. And, and just, just in terms of the statistics, the, um, the, the measure by taxing, um, changing the tax of a minimum of 30% on family trusts is expected to raise $4.1 billion in revenue over the first four years and $17 billion over the over the medium term. So obviously they've done their, their numbers. But you just wonder what those numbers are based on. Is that based on every trust being taxed at 30% or like you, you wonder whether they're taking into account the fact that people may just change their arrangements and instead of receiving trust distributions, they just start drawing salaries out of their business and get the tax-free threshold anyway. So there's all these different ins and outs that are still to play out, isn't there? Mm. Um, I mean, without sort of, I'm, I'm no sort of tax expert or policy expert, but you, you just wonder, I mean, it, it makes you think of what other countries do overseas with their tax situation. And I'm pretty sure that in the US, you tax as a family group. You wonder whether something like that would minimize the use of trust in Australia where instead of being taxed as an individual, you're taxed as a family. Um, so the household is taxed on their income. Maybe something like that would reduce the the demand for trust because effectively you bundle it into one. I mean that that's something that I've sort of thought about in the past. It may make sense when you've got situations of you know single income households and so forth. Mm. Okay, Glenn, is there any other? Oh, maybe before we we wrap up, unless you had any other any points, um, maybe just any any final advice. For our listeners, if, if you are, you know, if you are looking to to set up a family trust, or heard somebody talk about your family trust and think that it it might be appropriate for you, what would be the your best course of action? I think what we try and do in this podcast is not, as we always say, we're not providing advice here. What we're trying to do is give you information that that enables you or prompts you to ask the questions. Um, so you know, as far as calls to action, which is something that we really want to focus on for our listeners. It would be whenever you have an event, whether it's purchasing an asset or starting a business, just make sure you get that advice, um, in particular from your accountant, um, because without you know, if you don't give it the the consideration that it deserves, um, it can result in significant tax implications in future. Um, so my advice would be whenever you're looking at purchasing an asset or starting a business, seek the advice, um, and yes, that may result in a cost but that cost i think will be very beneficial in the event that it can provide you know significant tax benefits going forward um sure so i will wrap up there glenn so just to very quickly in conclusion um spoke about you know what firstly what a what a family trust is who are some of the 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 key players in in a family trust um, we spoke about some of the, the benefits that a family trust offers, mainly tax benefits, uh, estate planning benefits and asset protection. Um, and then we also you know, went through some of the considerations, costs, some of the potential um, government or policy changes that could impact 
Family Trust. So we, once again, hope you enjoyed the podcast. Look forward to having you again next week. Thanks, everybody, for listening again to another episode of the Money Mentors podcast. Um, if you enjoy the, the content, please do subscribe to the podcast um, via um, any good po- podcasting app. Um, once again, please check out our major sponsors' website, Hewison Private Wealth. Um, so just, just search for Hewison Private Wealth online. Also check out Hewison Private Wealth's um, social media channels, Facebook, LinkedIn or Twitter. Um, thanks again. We'll see you next week.